Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Due to budget cuts in tonight's gourmet food section, we will only be taste testing one packet of McDonald's ketchup. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. On tonight's show, hey, uh, pipe parts. Uh, Going to talk about the Shalom pipes. Yeah, the made in Israel pipes. Uh, my guest tonight is uh, Robert Bittner, better known as Bob Bittner. Many of you know the name already, but we'll talk to him and uh, get to know him more. Uh, music, mailbag, and rant. Rant that I've actually found a use for Twitter, so you'll have to pay attention to that. All that coming up on uh, tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey, remember, you must be at least 18 years of age or of the legal smoking age to listen to this fine show uh, wherever you are. So if you're not old enough to smoke, turn it off, go back and listen to some Star Wars podcast. Uh, Anyway, uh, happy uh, post-International Pipe Smoking Day. I had an incredible time in uh, Birmingham, Alabama with... uh, Skip and the gang from the Briary, about, uh, as near as I could count, 125 pipe smokers came through the place. Uh, There was uh, free beer to be sampled. Uh, There was free tobaccos to be sampled. Uh, Gerard from F&K Cigars was there, and uh, F&K is the importer of uh, Vowen and Joby and a couple other brands, and he had like 150 or 200 pipes laid out. Uh, in court, including some gorgeous former freehand, uh, handmade Danish pipes. Um, and there was just, uh, pipe smokers coming and going every, I mean, every minute wasn't a, wasn't a peaceful minute there. It was a great day. Uh, thank you to those of you that, uh, listened to the show and came up to me. There was many, many of you. I was surprised. I think maybe, uh, the Birmingham, Alabama area may be, uh, in our, uh, top listenership. Anyway, uh, let me know what you did for International Pipe Smoking Day. I hope you had a good time. All right, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cupofjoes.com. CupofJoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. CupofJoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly Pipes. Check out their remodeled website at CupofJoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook, CupofJoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. 
Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. We are back in just a minute. Bob Bittner will be on the phone, but... Uh, so the Shalom pipe, uh, the Shalom pipe factory has been on my list of stuff to cover. And uh, listener Jay Kane sent me a message on Facebook asking questions about him, and he bought one and he's enjoying it. So I'm glad, glad you're enjoying it, Jay. But I thought I'd all right, time to do the research and figure out what exactly is the deal with the Shalom pipe factory. Uh, the Shalom pipe factory was in Israel. And it was the uh, the primary brands were Shalom and the Alpha name. Now there's there's going to be a lot of different stories and a lot of different interpretations of this, but as near as I can tell, here's how the story goes. All right, so the Shalom Pipe Factory was set up in Israel. Um, it was based off of the ownership of one man, and we'll get to him in a moment. But they also, in addition to uh, Alpha Pipes, they owned the brand Mastercraft. Um, the other brands that they made under were Anderson, picking up a Danish name for the time, uh, Burl King, Golden Briar, Christen, Masterson, Trophy. So they made a bunch of other pipes. They made private label stuff for Tinderbox. You name it, they made it. Now, here's where the story goes a little, uh, a little strange and a little interesting. Uh, it was all started by a guy by the name of Bernie Hochstein. And uh, Bernie was, and this is from an article I found on the internet from an Israeli newspaper or news group. Um, Bernie Hochstein was born in Poland in 1913 and escaped Poland to uh, get to Brazil. Then came to the U.S. after after the war was over. And in the U.S., he started a business that was selling uh, cigarettes and some fine pipes and felt a religious calling and somewhere in the mid-60s moved to Israel. That's where the Shalom Pipe Factory starts up. Um... What gets really interesting with uh, Bernie Hochstein is Bernie uh, decides that now that he's in Israel and he's making some money and stuff, he doesn't want to keep any of it. Doesn't want to keep any of the money. So he starts helping out all these businesses, uh, getting businesses started, doing charitable work with the money, investing some of his money in these other businesses, and builds himself quite a little fortune. Uh, fast forward to 1974, and the UST, United States Tobacco Company, owners of Skoll and Copenhagen Chewing Tobacco, uh, bought the Mastercraft and the uh, Shalom product from Bernie Hochstein. Reports are that Bernie didn't need the money, so what he did was he took stock instead and used the dividends off the stock to reinvest that stock into his uh, 
uh, into his uh, philanthropic enterprises going on in Israel. Um, now, he continues to make a few pipes in Israel, and then by the early 1990s, shuts down the factory. Uh, somewhere around 1991 is when uh, it looks like he had completely retired. So now you have Alpha pipes and uh, and a couple of and Mastercraft pipes being made in Sparta, North Carolina, by the Dr. Grabo factory. Um, Bernie again. Still not interested in making any money for himself, uh, sets up all these uh, sets up all these philanthropic causes and uh, starts just donating money off and investing money to make it to make uh, you know to make more money with it. He rumored to had never had sold the uh, U.S. tobacco stock. And when UST was purchased by Philip Morris, by that time that stock was rumored to be worth about uh, 50 to $60 million. I did find one thing on the internet where Bernie Hochstein had passed away in 2008 and had left behind a foundation that was valued somewhere around 68 to 70 million dollars so there's another another little uh, thing of the pipe world uh, ending up doing big good for people all over the world you can go online and search the hockstein foundation and you'll see some of the stuff that they've participated in um so again shalom pipes well made i guess a uh, whole bunch of different brands and uh from that little pipe company a whole bunch of goods come out of it. All right, in just a minute, Bob Bittner will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection, from the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit as the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth. You smile, casting your first line into the water the slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the great outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sudliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. 
We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us on the phone is uh, Bob Bittner, a name that you may not recognize, but a voice that you've heard on the show several times, including if you go back a couple of years, uh, you did all those wonderful uh, fake commercials, and you're also the voice-slash-producer of the uh, one of the Four Noggins ads, and a pipe smoker. So please welcome Bob Bittner to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thanks, Brian. I'm I'm thrilled and honored to be here. Oh, and I forgot to mention that we also played one of your pieces of music a couple months back. So um, I'm sure there's a few other talents in there that we haven't figured out yet, but we'll get to know you. So first... Uh, Let's find out where did you grow up and when did you start smoking a pipe? Well, I grew up in southern Illinois in a pretty small town called Centralia, uh, about two hours north of the southernmost border of the state, and uh, spent most of my childhood there. Ended up going to college in suburban Chicago uh, in a city called Elgin, and that was where my pipe smoking started. I don't really remember what it was that got me interested in pipes or smoking at all, but it was something that I know before college I had been thinking about pretty steadily. I picked up Carl Weber's book, uh, The Pleasures of Pipe Smoking, at a used bookstore, and just fell in love with that. And I was one of those guys who, if I couldn't do something. I loved reading about it and imagining what it would be like to be able to do that. I was uh, reading Bon Appetit magazine while I was in college and eating all those college meals. <laughs> so there was quite a quite a disconnect there, but I was dreaming of something better, I guess. And something about pipe smoking just appealed to me from the get-go, even though there was no one in my life that was a pipe smoker, and uh, the only smoker uh, that I was aware of was uh, my mom's father, who died when I was very young, but he was a cigar smoker of the uh, probably King Edward Dutch Masters variety, uh, and I have very few memories of him, but one of them uh, does involve walking with him to the corner store to pick up a, a box of his favorite cigars. But I grew up in a a fairly conservative Christian home, and smoking was out, drinking was out, uh, playing cards were out, uh, at least when I was a little kid. Uh, Things did change as I got older and started exploring more things on my own. Uh, My parents were very much open to me following wherever I was headed, and uh, I got interested in magic and that opened the door to doing card tricks, and you can't do card tricks without playing cards, so they got in there. And and then somehow uh, I got interested in smoking. Um, for me, it didn't start with the pipe. Uh, it started with a pack of Cool Milds. Ooh. I don't know why. I, I think I liked the packaging. Uh, But on my 18th birthday, I was a freshman in college. I went to the drugstore and thought, you know, I've been dreaming about smoking. I've been thinking about it a lot. I need to just try it and get it out of my system. (laughs) So after the druggist checked my ID and frowned at me 
and I explained my approach. Uh, he shrugged and handed me the cigarettes. And I had grown up, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s, seeing these public service announcement commercials where the kids sneak down to their mom's purse in the dark of night, light up, and start choking to death, thus proving that you should never smoke, at least not your mom's cigarettes. And so that's what I expected. And I took my first cool, mild, inhaled, and absolutely loved it. <laughs> but I knew I didn't. I knew I didn't want to be um, a cigarette smoker. I didn't want to have that physical addiction. And at the time, I was uh, really involved in singing in groups at college, and I knew I, I didn't want to be inhaling. Um, I was also going to a fairly conservative Christian school, where tobacco use was not allowed on campus although they seemed to look the other way when it was the sports teams and their chewing tobacco. <laughs> but after that uh, cigarette, that was, that was the, my, my entry drug, so to speak. I probably shouldn't put it like that, but that's what it was. Um, and then I ended up in a singing group uh, sponsored by the school that was going around to churches, camps, fairs, in the summer of 1980. There were seven of us. We were in a van. We were like a band. Uh, we had our instruments, and school paid for us to record an album. But we were going around as ambassadors for the school. Um, the school had kind of a fine arts focus, so we were trying to attract students to come, uh, trying to encourage parents to pay for their students to come. <laughs> and so we spent that summer touring around. And we did a song uh, called Lucas McGraw by a band called Petra. And there was a line in the song. Uh, it was about a hillbilly who lived his life, you know, all doing you know, all the sinful things. And then he found God, and he threw away his corncob pipe. He stopped drinking moonshine. And I had brought the song to the band and said, I think this would be a fun one to do because uh, it's really got a, a good sense of humor to it. And I said, I think it'd be fun if we all had corncob pipes, and when we get to that line, we all chuck them over our shoulders. <laughs> and so we did that. That was just part of the act. Well, we had an off day at one point, and I saw that corncob pipe and said, you know, I'm going to see what that's like. And I, I don't remember the first tobacco I tried. I seem to recall that it had an apple on the pouch. So I don't know if it was apple flavored or if it was just decoration, uh, but like probably everyone can imagine, uh, I lit up and that was the worst smoking experience of my life. But for some reason, I, I wanted to keep trying it. And I think it was probably the draw of how Carl Weber talked about pipe smoking. It was it wasn't just about the flavor of the tobacco or the act of puffing in, puffing out smoke, but it, it, it kind of brought to mind a whole lifestyle, a way of looking at the world. You know, you, you stop, you hold your pipe, you think wise thoughts, and then you say wise things. It, it plugged me into a brotherhood, um, unlike anything I had experienced growing up. Um, and I think it was that 
that hope of what a pipe could be that kept me coming back to it. So I remember that fall of 1980, I walked into a mall tinderbox, uh, found a board pipe, they called them, because they hung on boards yeah. behind the counter because they were cheap, um, for eight ninety-five, And it was a pretty much flawless piece of briar except for a few sand pits. No fills, no name. But uh, I, I loved the look of it, fit my hand, and the tobacconist said, here's a pouch of North Sea. It's our most popular blend. <laughs> and I, I loved that. And I still to this day have that pipe and treasure it. Um, and so that's my long answer to the start of my pipe smoking. And you've been a regular ritual pipe smoker ever since? Yes. Um, there have been a few years when uh, I was smoking very little. Um, my wife does not love uh, smoke of any kind, not even leaf smoke, which I think is just crazy. <laughs> but uh, so uh, there have been times when it has waned a little bit. But, um, yeah, since then, it has always been a constant for me, uh, something I can always turn to. And now I'm probably, uh, I'll say I'm a five or six bowl a day, five days a week pipe smoker. So you got the pipes, and I guess the wife is well-trained to, uh, <laughs> to ignore the, uh, the aroma. Well, uh... I work at home, and she does not, and <laughs> so I have the advantage of being able to smoke during the day, and I don't smoke in the house. Uh, the big concession is we have a heated garage, so that's, that's my place, and it's good. Um, I spend my days uh, writing, so I like to just take a pipe out there and print out whatever I'm working on and give it an edit or revise and, and just focus on that and and or just focus on the pipe. So you so you finished up college. What what's your degree in? Um, technically communication arts, uh, but my focus was comparative literature. So it just pretty much meant that I I read a lot. <laughs> uh, my my goal was to be a a writer full time. I thought it would be novels. Uh, it's turned out that that. Well, I've written novels, but no one's wanted to publish those yet. Uh, but, but so I feel like I am doing what I, I set out to do. It's just not quite in the way that I expected to be doing it. Uh, so what are you doing besides uh, magic singing, uh, music, and what, what writing are people paying you for? Uh, it's nonfiction. I... Uh, focus on uh, books and magazine articles, and I consider myself a generalist. I've done travel writing, I've done profiles um, for magazines like Family Circle and Women's Day and Ladies Home Journal. I've written about architecture for Preservation Magazine, uh, travel stories for in-flight magazines. Uh, lately, uh, the magazine work I've been doing uh, has been for trade magazines, one for 
and I hesitate to say this because I, even though we're on the phone, I can see your eyes close as I say it. Nobody's One listening. for the corrugated box industry. <laughs> hey. And then. Uh, those are some <laughs> wild. Those are some wild guys in that cardboard world. <laughs> and uh, and then I I've written for a, a federal credit union magazine. Now there's. But, you know, it's just, there's the party animals. <laughs> you know, I enjoy it. It because I learn something new with every piece. Uh, that's really what I love most about being a nonfiction freelancer is that I can follow, sorry, follow wherever my heart and interests want to go, and learn a lot of new things. Um, I could bore you silly with the fascinating facts about the Apple iPhone box. It's, uh, it's an amazing piece of engineering. I could bore you with how long it took me to open the frickin' box. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, we'll take a break right here, and when we come back, we'll talk about the music and all the other talents and maybe get into pipe smoking a little bit more. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. with Bob Bittner, the man who's had to think about inside the box. Um, so let, let's go back to your pipe smoking. So the last time we, we, you, had the, you had the board pipe, and then obviously you have more than one pipe now. Um, how did your pipe collection grow? Was there an area of interest? or uh, you know, where, How did it grow from there? Well, when I uh, was working my first job, uh, I was in a publishing company in suburban Chicago in Downers Grove, and there was a mall nearby called Yorktown Mall in Lombard, Illinois, which had at the time a fantastic tinderbox. I mean, it, it came with all your collector plates and Yadro figurines, as <laughs> all good tinderboxes should. Uh, but for some reason, it... Uh, it also happened to have a huge pipe collection, um, a very good cigar humidor, and an owner who was willing uh, to buy whatever the manager and assistant manager wanted to try out. Wow. And I ended up getting a part-time job there. Um, I wanted to break out of my little comfort zone of the people that I knew, and so I thought it would be really good to get a job at the mall, and I loved that shop. So they took me in, um, I think because I loved pipes and had a lot of experience 
relatively speaking, for my age, with pipes at that time. And they had cigar guys, and they had kind of generalists, but I think they liked that, that I was really passionate about pipes. And because it was a tinderbox, um, at the time they had an exclusive arrangement with Escorti pipes. So I, my collection really started with a lot of Escortis. I seem to recall that we got a 40% discount on pipes, <laughs> uh, which was, <laughs> you know, uh, you're fresh out of school, you've got this credit card that just needs to be used. Uh, so it, it got some experience there. Uh, they also had uh, a wonderful collection of Sheratons. So Sheratons made a huge impression on me. Um, I'm not a fan of the big freehands or some of the, the giant Sheratons that I think people may think of when they think of the brand. Uh, I'm more of a Group 4 person. Well, no, I'm more probably more of a large Group 5 person. But in <laughs> pipes, I really prefer the Group 4. And um, they had a wonderful collection there, and so I, I dug in and kind of grew from there. So I, I have a real fondness for some of the Italians. I love the classic English shapes. I'm a big fan of uh, GBD and Kamoi. Uh, Sassini. Um, I don't have any freehands now. Pretty much everything would fall into the the classic shape category, and I'm up to about 40 now. But I have very few of the pipes that I bought back then because, foolishly perhaps, uh, I know my wife won't hear this, foolishly <laughs> perhaps I sold the majority of my pipe collection to pay for our honeymoon. Uh-oh. Uh, and we got married. Well, we, <laughs> yeah. At the time, I was going to give up the pipe for my wife. Uh-huh. And so that seemed to make sense. Even though only a year before, when men would come into the tinderbox with their collections, telling me that this is exactly what they were doing, we scoffed. <laughs> we we said find a different woman, you know, but uh, the heart wants what the heart wants. So uh, I have I, I gave away my my very favorite pipes uh, to my best friend at the time, and then just sold the rest to cover the honeymoon. So I've had to rebuild. So you have uh, pre-marriage. You had a pre-marriage pipe collection, and now a post-marriage pipe collection. Yes. <laughs> and has your has your taste in tobacco wandered, or has it stayed pretty much the same? I've always been an experimenter, and I I attribute that I think to the tinderbox. Um, they really formed me in some significant ways. But when I started there, the owner said, "You need to sample every single." tinderbox blend so that you can talk about it and describe it and you can sample um, we can open tins of anything for you to sample so that you can talk about it and so I felt it was my mission to to try everything out so that I knew what it was and I think that 
left me with the idea that variety is better than sticking with one blend for the rest of my life. So, um, although Tropical Punch wasn't very satisfying, it was a great <laughs> experience. Um, and it educated me because I, before that I had been solely drawn to whatever aromatic the tobacco shop happened to recommend that I was buying from. Um, you know, whatever was they said was most popular, I would try it, and that was okay. But it was uh, having that opportunity to try everything from uh, light to fairly complex Latakia blends to Burley-based blends um, to um, more of a Danish style to a full-on soaking wet aromatic um, I think that was very helpful for me. And I had a coworker who was very much into the more esoteric tins. So we would pop open the Balkan Sobrani black and Sobrani white, which in the mid-'80s were just on the shelf like anything else. Readily and available. Rattrays, yeah, the McBarrens, um, ANC Peterson, um, the Escudo, and, and a, a number of others that Peterson did back then that are no longer available. Uh, so it, it, and it was helpful, and yet I didn't have the experience to know why I did or didn't like something. Um, it was only much later that I discovered I can't tolerate Perique. Um, oh. I like the I like what it does to a blend. I love how it enriches a blend. But I, I literally have a physical reaction if it's present to any degree in a blend. And from the tobacconists I've talked to, and even Greg Pease I've mentioned it to in, in emails, that's a pretty rare situation. I mean, it feels like needles through the tongue. Um, so I, I just I keep going back to it, trying to see what, what my level of acceptance is. And it's very, very low, unfortunately. Well, all I can say is that's more Perique for me, so that's fine. <laughs> yes. Enjoy. So when did... Um, i, I got to ask you this, because in the Four Noggins uh, Genie commercial and then in the other little commercial, the fake commercials that you did for us a couple years ago, um, those aren't a whole bunch of different actors that you hired to do the voices those are all you right yeah yeah i uh discovered uh monty python's flying circus <laughs> i think i was a freshman in high school and it we were getting it over pbs tv back in the early 70s and i i just i couldn't believe that was on tv and i remember the day after seeing an episode, I was in the cafeteria at school just transcribing everything I could remember from, you know, one of the skits that I just thought was absolutely hilarious. And so my friends and I, we started making movies, little 8-millimeter silent movies, and we started having parties where we would do Monty Python skits, and we'd do all the voices and, you know, put on the dresses just like they did, <laughs> and... Uh, I think that was my my, gra my grounding there, and then later I discovered uh, the Goon Show, 
the radio show from the 50s, British, um, where Peter Sellers really got his start. Um, but all these characters, all the character voices, it, it just appealed to me. It was, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, do you have a uh, character that you can uh, whip up real quick? Oh, boy. Um, well, um, I think my favorite is P.T. Gumby. I like tobacco much more than banging my head between two bricks. <laughs> <laughs> and from that to writing about cardboard boxes there you go <laughs> a man of three I, I think you've got 720 degrees of talent I'm not sure well <laughs> uh, I can do all those things I'm not sure about the talent level involved in those things well I'm not sure smoking a pipe makes me say smarter things but um <laughs> it must. Well, just think what you'd be saying if you weren't smoking a pipe. Oh my lord! Anyway, um, <laughs> so talking about so you've done some travel writing. When you do the travel writing, do you did you actually have to go to those places and write about it? <laughs> have to. Yes, I had to go to those places. You, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, what are yeah? What are some of your favorite places that you were forced to go to and to get paid to do it? Um, I'll say, uh, Texas. <laughs> I hadn't been to Texas before. Uh, San Antonio, um, Phoenix, Arizona. I, I tended to travel with, uh, a small PR company and all they did was line up, uh, trips for travel writers that were sponsored by local convention and visitors bureaus. So they tried to to work with people who weren't getting coverage um, because they, they weren't New York City, you know, they weren't Chicago, they weren't the major places people were thinking of. But they had a lot of really interesting things to see and do there, a lot of interesting history, and they wanted to get the word out. Um, so I traveled with a company that, um, that would bring in maybe a dozen travel writers at a time, and we would spend maybe four days seeing everything that the people wanted us to see, um, eating at the restaurants they thought we should be talking about, with the expectation, but no guarantee, that when we get back home, we will write about that and, and do it favorably. I've only had one trip that was an absolute disaster, and I couldn't sell anything related to that, uh, but it was a trip to Cancun, <laughs> and the very first day, the, the woman hosting the trip for us told us that she was looking for another job, that she hated doing what she did. And it was very clear. Um, <laughs> but I also got to go uh, on a, a short cruise. Uh, it's actually a German cruise that they were opening up uh, to Americans. But before they started doing that, they wanted to have some travel writers come. Uh, so my wife and I got to uh, take a short cruise from Lisbon uh, down to Morocco and then up to Barcelona, Aww. and that was wonderful. That must have been. But torture. we were. It, <laughs> it was 
it was actually an amazing trip. The the only concerning thing was that the travel writers were the only English speak native English speakers on the whole ship. And so when you go through the safety announcements, when they talk about, you know, where to go in case you need to abandon ship, where to get your life jacket, you know, how to get on the little boats, they go through the whole thing first in German. And so and, and then after that, they get to the English. So we figured, you know, once they start that, we're just going to follow wherever the Germans run to, because we're not waiting around for the English translation of that. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I, hopefully they worked on doing, on doing something different by the time they actually got more Americans on board. Uh, did you always take a pipe with you on all these travels? Um, most of them I would. Um, sometimes not if it didn't look like I was going to be in a situation where I'd be able to just get away and smoke. Um, I don't, I don't try to smoke, well, I try not to smoke too much around non-smokers, because uh, you, you get those looks. Yeah. Um, and because I tend to prefer Latakia blends, you don't get those. You don't get the good looks when, no. you, when you light up either. So um, it, it would depend. Um, and we were never uh, on our own to travel, so I, I never really got the opportunity, uh, unless a store was in walking distance of where we were staying, to even explore uh, some of the great uh, pipe and tobacco shops that might have been hidden away in all these places. Probably saved you some money anyway. Probably. But, you know, the trip was free, so... <laughs> no, the trip was part of your job. It wasn't free. That's true. That's true. Trust me, I go through that almost every trip I take. <laughs> <laughs> but then, and I love doing the travel writing and thought I would be doing more of that. And then... 9-11 hit, and the travel market just plummeted, and so I had to find other things to do, and that was pretty much, I was actually supposed to fly on 9-12, uh, and wow. that trip was canceled, because no one was flying then, uh, but that was kind of, things were, things started really uh, petering out after that, as far as having a market to sell to. Uh, the airlines cut back on their magazines um, or decided to use stuff that they had bought years earlier but had never run uh, to save themselves some money during a really hard time. And it ended up affecting the entire magazine industry, not just travel, but especially travel. Well, we will wrap this up with the long-anticipated Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I am ready. What's your favorite pipe? It's a half-bent Radice Underwood finish. And what's your favorite tobacco? Unfortunately, it's fresh Penzance. Oh, good luck. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's your favorite drink? I love my liquids, so it's hard to, to 
nail down one, but it would be between coffee and Diet Mountain Dew. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. would be happy to hear the Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Well, I really enjoy all three, but uh, probably more often than not, it's uh, movies or television. I love television. And I have to throw in a fourth one that you didn't offer. Uh, and it sounds odd for a 54-year-old man to say this, but in the last three years, I've really gotten into video games. So... <laughs> It's starting to be more video games too. Oh no, not one of the not some of those games where you got to push eleven buttons at the same time and and do a whole bunch of actions. Well, you don't have to do that if you don't mind being eaten by zombies or something. But if you want to survive, that's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm out. I'm dead. Uh, <laughs> Lastly, do you have a uh, particularly favorite pipe-smoking memory that we haven't talked about? I've, it, because I've listened to the show, I, I knew this question was coming up. And I don't know that I have... I don't know that I can call this a favorite memory, but it's a memory that has stuck with me, so it's what you get. <laughs> uh, but... At the tinderbox, you know, every day you go in there, you see, the, when you're working there, you see the same pipes all the time. And there was this gorgeous, freehand, straight grain Sheraton that I lusted after for probably months. And if you held it, you wouldn't even know anything was in your hand. It was, it was just a perfect pipe. And probably with the employee discount still, it was, $150, $175. And I was so happy the day I was able to buy that pipe. And my coworker, Matt, and I had a habit of going out every Tuesday night after we closed the store. We would head to a nearby restaurant for nachos and beer and to smoke our pipes. Because, of course, back then, you could smoke your pipe in the restaurant, in the mall, um, wherever. Anyway. We would go there for nachos, beer, and pipes. Uh, and so I, I distinctly remember the night we were there, I lit up that beautiful, light, straight-grain Sheraton. And after a t about 20 minutes, I realized my fingertips were getting really, really hot. And I looked down, and there was a black spot growing on the outside of that pipe. Oh, no. One bowl in, and it burnt out. And I, I realized later that there were probably things that could have been done to save the pipe. But I was so devastated that this, this great, great pipe that I had wanted for so long just left me after less than a full bowlful, and it just burnt completely through. It was one of those uh, one-in-a-thousands that just had a issue under the wood. Yeah, I'm sure there's some great positive life lesson I could draw from this, but I choose to ignore that and just whine about the pipe. Okay. Uh, where where can we go to uh, see some of your reading and hear more of your music and get a hold of you and all that uh, fancy stuff? I'll say the easiest thing is uh, my website is robertbittner.com. 
That's B-I-T-T-N-E-R dot com. Um, it's, eh, it's more of a place to talk about my writing, but everything is there. There are links to my music. Um, I have two, two, three, three CDs on iTunes and available from Amazon uh, under my name. Because people always say, well, why haven't I heard? It must be under a different name because I've never heard of you. Um, and I, th- I think that about covers it. Bob, thank you very much for uh, joining us, and thanks for all the laughs. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I love the show. Well, you won't love this one. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. The year was 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th president of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco, founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes, or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on earth has not. Visit sutliff-tobacco.com for information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures. This is Internet Radio. We are back in, uh, boy was that fun. That was fun. Never ceases to amaze me at the, uh, fascinating people that are in our fun little hobby um speaking of fascinating people and kind of going along with the shalom pipe company theory uh dino sent me a whole bunch of music this one is from uh, groucho marx it's a song from at the circus and uh groucho being uh jewish is the one that uh famously quoted i would not be a member of a club that would have me because of his uh First getting to Hollywood, trying to become a member of the uh, Bel Air Country Club, and they didn't allow anything but uh, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. So uh, about eight, ten years later, when uh, he had gotten really famous and uh, after joining the Toluca Lake Country Club, uh, the the Bel Air Country Club came to him and said, we'd like for you to join up, and that's when he said, I wouldn't be a member of a club that would have me. Um, anyway, this is <laughs> this is a fun song. It's called Lydia the Tattooed Lady, and this is directly from the movie At the Circus. Ah, oh, this meeting brings back memories. Childhood days, lemonade, romance. My life was wrapped around a circus. 
Her name was Lydia. I met her at the World's Fair in 1900, marked down from 1940. Ah, Lydia. She was the most glorious creature under the sun. Thais! Jubari! Gabo! Rolled into one. Oh! Lydia, oh, Lydia, say, have you met Lydia? Lydia, the tattooed lady. She has eyes that folks adore so, and a torso even more so. Lydia, oh, Lydia, that encyclopedia. Oh, Lydia, the queen of tattoo. On her back is the Battle of Waterloo. Beside it, the wreck of the Hesperus, too. And proudly above waves the red, white, and blue. You can learn a lot from Lydia. When a robe is unfurled, she will show you the world. If you step up and tell her where. For a dime you can see Kankakee or Paris or Washington crossing the Delaware. Start relaxing Up the hill comes Andrew Jackson Lydia, oh Lydia That encyclopedia Oh Lydia, the queen of them all For two bits she will do A mazurka in jazz With a view of Niagara That nobody has And on a clear day You can see Alcatraz You can learn a lot from Lydia and see Buffalo Bill with his lasso. Just a little classic by Mendel Picasso. Here is Captain Spaulding exploring the Amazon. Here's Godiva but with her pajamas on. Here is Grover Whalen unveiling the Trilon. Over on the west coast we have Treasure Island. Here's Najinsky a-doin' the rubber. Here's her social security number. Once swept an admiral clear off his feet. The ships on her hips made his heart skip a beat. And now the old boy's in command of the fleet. For he went and married Lydia. I said Lydia. We said Lydia. They said Lydia. We, we said, said Lydia. Lydia. La, la. I would have loved to have gotten a history lesson from the back of a tattooed lady. And like uh, many stars of the 30s and 40s, yeah, Groucho uh, smoked a pipe before he switched over to cigars 100%. And in the mailbag, all right, John Seiler writes, Hi, Brian, governmental intrusion, that is not needed, yes. Uh, William Surratt is a well-known name in the pipe world due to his pipe tobacco reviews, especially the Trial by Fire reviews in Pipes and Tobacco's magazine. The combined book of the reviews is a classic and needs updating and reprinting. There you go, Chuck Stanion, if you're listening. Uh, needs reprinting. 
John goes on to write uh, music, Carl Orff, schoolworks movement, nice, but it does sound like something from a school. As time goes on, it became more complex. Yep. Uh, Rant. Taxing the poor has been going on for years. It is not recognized as such since it is disguised. Nice show. Uh, Thank you, John. Uh, New Broom writes, Escudo, that first time was magic for me too. A treasured memory. Uh, To attempt to repeat in any small measure for the rest of my life. Terrific first pipe story. Uh, It wasn't as if the clerk steered me to a calabash. (laughs) Ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think any of us get steered to a calabash. Uh, let's see. Casey Ghost writes, another nice show. Nice update on the upcoming nightmare of the FDA. I really enjoyed, uh, Sarad's and Gage's reviews and PNT and continue to be impressed how nicely they can tell you that a given blend isn't really very good without using those words. <laughs> I also bought a Calabash as one of my early purchase of pipes. Didn't work out too well. And Escudo is just a great tobacco. Uh, they have to tax somebody and they figure it's better to tax those without the resources to complain ah well there you go now i've got a a whole uh radio show to complain on uh dino writes uh quite a delightful conversation with mr sarad i've enjoyed his reviews and articles for many years as a fellow sherlockian i treasure the summer 2000 issue of pipes and tobaccos in which he detailed all the references to pipes in the Holmes Canaan. On Saturday, we had a f- we had fabulous weather in Chicago, 60 degrees and sunny. I had two bowls to celebrate International Pipe Smoking Day. Out on the patio, first samovar in a pre-trans barling pot, and then drama reserve in a Stanwell author. A few cups of Earl Grey tea with a dash of Grand Marnier, and some Sherlock Holmes stories made for an amazing afternoon. And thanks for another fun show, Dino. And finally, uh, Mother Nature will eat us all for breakfast. That's his uh, forum name. Wrote, a good show this week. I found it interesting that when Brian asked about the bowl chamber dimensions of a pipe and the type of blend of tobacco smoked in it, that Mr. Surad didn't answer one way or the other. He kind of left it open to the listener to decide, which I really liked. I smoke my Virginias and Vapors in 18mm to 19mm bowls, and my Latakia blends usually in 20mm plus, but not always. It was good to have a reviewer in a roundabout way say that the theory has some grounds, but there are exceptions. I still prefer the new Bengal slices in a Huck Finn, which doesn't make much sense to me because I tend to always follow the old rule of thumb. Seems I found an exception for my palate. Yeah, I think the uh, the one thing that I took away from listening to that again was their standards, and then it's time for try it and see what happens. Uh, you know, switch it up a little bit. Uh, glad you all liked having uh, Mr. Surratt on, and uh, hopefully we can get him back again in the future. Uh, just a few quick reminders. Uh, March March 12th, March 12th, I'm going to double check here. The uh, upcoming New York Pipe Show is in uh, Newark, New Jersey. And as I double check, yeah, March 12th. And then April 9th in Raleigh, North Carolina, the TAP Show. I'm uh, My schedule's kind of up in the air, so I, I know I won't be in New York this year. I'll miss that one. 
but uh, Raleigh's a possibility. Just depends on a few things that are going on. And then, of course, uh, Chicago. April 28th, 29th, and then the weekend of the 30th and the 1st of May. That's all coming up. And then Kansas City's announced their dates Friday, June 24th through June 26th. Hope to see you all at a uh, pipe show. Oh, if you're in uh, Germany, Lomar Pipe Show, April 30th. April 30th in uh, Lomar. And just go to pipesmagazine.com and check out the pipe events page. All right, in just a minute, a use for Twitter rant time. I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment, so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. confess i have secretly been on twitter now for oh i don't know maybe a year or so anyway i've been on twitter and finally this weekend i found a use for twitter so here's what i want you to do search for me on twitter if you're on twitter search for me use my name or my twitter handle which is at on my own opinion Follow me on Twitter. Don't tweet at me, but follow me on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter. You can do it real simply from your smartphone and then follow me at On My Own Opinion. Here's the use for Twitter. If a company, a institution, a company of some sort is doing something wrong, tweet at them. So now all these companies, including American Airlines, which I tweeted at for not serving coffee on a 10 a.m. flight... And uh, Simon Malls for having the most, the, the, the rudest looking smoking section or smoking area 50 feet from the covered area of an entrance that was 100 feet from a door. Uh, I tweet at him. 
Tweet at all these companies that are doing stupid shit to you. Tweet at every one of these companies that doesn't have a decent smoking section outside of their establishment. Tweet at them all. Tell them you're a smoker. Tell them you're not coming back there until they at least put up a covered awning or don't have 17 signs saying no smoking past this area or no smoking, no smoking. Even The stupid mall even had traffic cones with little signs on top of the traffic cones saying no smoking past this point. I wanted to pick the cones up and move them all around and confuse the crap out of them. But, no, I didn't. I left them where they were. I took a little took a little picture and emailed it to the Simon Malls privately and said, Oh, this is real tasteful for a high-end South Park mall. Yeah, but anyway, find me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, and tweet at all these companies that do stuff that are doing things wrong. These companies are starting to watch Twitter more and more and more. And it's real simple. 140 characters or less. So there you go. All right, uh, don't forget new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your mother-in-law, tell everybody. Make sure and listen every week to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Got any comments or questions for me, post them on the radio show page of Pipes Magazine. Or you can email me, brian, at pipesmagazine.com. Any ideas for the Pipes Magazine website, or if you'd like to advertise, contact Kevin Godby through the Contact Kevin link on PipesMagazine.com. All right, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you very much to Bob Bittner for joining me. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and until next time... About the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy this show is produced with the intent to have at least one section or one segment of each show be completely annoying to each and every listener at least once during each show. And it works.